If you need a Bible, make sure you make a note of the free Bibles in the back. I always want to get people the Word of God. We just believe that God's Word is living and active. We believe that when we engage with God's Word, we're actually engaging with the, the, the voice of Jesus. It's not the audible voice of Jesus necessarily. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not making it kind of like that. I'm just saying we really believe that God speaks to us through his word. And so when you open up and you crack your Bible, man, man, God is going to be doing some stuff with you. And so I love it. I actually, this was a while back now, there was an atheist who was saying, he was encouraging people to read the Bible because he says it'll prove God wrong. And I'm like, man, keep preaching, man. Just keep saying it. I love what you're saying. I, I couldn't agree more with the guy. Uh, open up the Bible, baby, and get into that bad boy because it's just, God's going to be speaking to you. And again, it can be a little at times confusing, which is why we talk about gathering around God's word and prayer. And so we talk about the importance of doing it with other Christians. And one of those other Christian moments is right now. And we're spending time in God's house, hearing his word, and then kind of breaking it out. And what is that saying to me today? And that's one of these moments now, and that can be one of your moments tomorrow morning as well when you crack that Bible at, you know, 6 a.m. or whatever it might be, too. Okay, that was just a stall. Hopefully you found First Peter. It's way back there. It's kind of a, a toughie to find. But once you got it, uh, I'm reading from the ESV, and it's on the screen, too. Here's what it says. So, which that word so is cueing us up that there was more that was said, Okay. And I, I told you that last week, that uh, I'm not going to be preaching on every verse through this. I'm preaching on one chapter a week for five weeks. And so there is a, I could preach, I could preach 15 sermons on just chapter two. I'm not going to, I'm going to preach one. So my point is, is go read this on your own too, and, and kind of be following along with it on your own a little bit and, and seeing how God might be saying to you. So, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, as you come to him, a living stone, look at that, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, you, are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. I'm not even preaching on that at all today, but holy smokes, I could preach on that. You like are living stones being built into a house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, and then he quotes, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you... You notice this, but you are a chosen race, a chosen uh, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own 
possession. See, some of you got already, you're already still latched on to the last little bit where it says, as they were destined to do. And that freaks you out. Notice his point, what he's driving to here, though. He's talking to the church to bring them encouragement. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, there's your first one, kids, and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let me, let me pray, and then we're going to get into this. Spirit of the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, the God of Moses, the God of Joseph, uh, Joshua, the God of David, the God of Rahab, the God of... Um, all those people, <laughs> the, the true living God, fall afresh upon us now. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Open our hearts up, God, to, to heart change. God, help today not to just be another day. Let it be the kind of day where we get shaped and molded by your word, speak to us, God, today. We want to hear your voice. I don't think, now maybe somebody will hear it audibly. We might not hear this audible voice of God kind of thing. But as we open up 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe, we believe that we are going to have an encounter with your speaking to us. God, your word is so pure and precious. It has the power to do the kind of heart surgery that we need in spots that we might not even know about. Come now, Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh upon us. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, how many of you are Texans? Just wondering about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, now I love this because I saw some of you Texans look around the room and judge other hands. I saw that. I saw just a quick glance. And, you know, I don't know if there was somebody's heart that was like, "That's not a Texan." That no. I don't know. I don't. Know. Maybe I didn't have you have your hand up long enough. But uh, yeah, what does it mean to be a true Texan? You know, coming from Wisconsin. It has been um, it has been a challenge down here. I'm finding <laughs> I'm finding uh, some people don't really want me here. I, I'm finding that. I'm finding that to be true. Coming from Wisconsin, I come from a place of of cows. Okay, I come from a place where there's cows. I come from a place 
where there's cheese, and that's very vital for us, okay? I come from a place of snow. This is where I start to lose you. I come from a place of snow. Like that picture there is a picture that like I've seen, that, that kind of place. That's where I grew up kind of thing. That's not the actual picture. That's just little Google images. But that's where I come from. And then I come from a place, you know, of a, at least halfway's decent winning team. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of where I come from. That's where I come from. That's, <laughs> that's where I come from is, is I come from Wisconsin. That's why I wore my shirt this morning. This is where I'm from. And being from Wisconsin and Texas is a bit of a challenge because I sometimes feel like I'm more Texas than Texans, but they just don't let me in necessarily. You know, I wear cowboy boots. I got a cowboy hat. I got all that stuff. I like you know, guns. And I, I like that stuff. But Texans um, don't always let you become a Texan because you almost got to kind of be born here. I, and, and so I think there's a sense in which I'll maybe never be a true Texan. I don't know. But ultimately, coming from Wisconsin down here, there's always these things that sometimes make me feel I, like I have a feeling that reminds me I'm not a Texan. And then I also they have these moments where I don't look like a Texan. So like a feeling that I sometimes get is like even just for example, right now, like when I walk outside in a t-shirt and I can have shorts on in, in March, that's just, that's not right to me. That doesn't that feels wrong. And I mean, I've, I'm coming to learn now that this is the time to go camping and this is the, you know, this is our blessed, blessed hours. You know, we, we love this time. And I get that. But, but it feels wrong to me. In the middle of July, I step outside. It feels so wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels terrible. Uh, and, and, I, and it's just because of where I'm from and now I'm here and there's this, this kind of rub. That's how I sometimes feel. Sometimes how it looks to other people, for me it's not usually maybe so much a look as it is as soon as I start talking, right? Yeah. As soon as I start talking, people are like, okay, this guy's not from around here. Especially if I'm talking about boats, if I'm talking about boots, or I'm talking about something. You know what I'm saying? That's usually when I'm talking about the boat in the boot, you know, and stuff. <laughs> uh, that's where people are just like, yeah, this guy's not from here. And, and they're able to figure out. Yeah, exactly. They're able to figure out that I'm not from here as soon as I start talking. That's just the reality. And I want to use that today as a little bit of an, I don't know, illustration, you might say, for what Peter's trying to get us to think about in this chapter 2. And it's going to take us into some really specific stuff next Sunday when I unpack the kind of next couple specific things. But in a general sense, um, what, what Peter is trying to get us to understand is that followers of Jesus are going to look and feel like strangers. They're going to look and feel a little different in this life. There's going to be things we feel that are going to feel different. Like I feel different about the weather and I'm like, what? This isn't right. It's March. This shouldn't be this nice. And then there's going to be things that from the outside looking at us, it looks 
we look different because we're up against a, a, a kind of some differences. And so followers of Jesus sound, should, should look and feel different. And that's kind of today's message. Uh, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 1, this is going back to last week. I want you to notice how, I didn't even touch on this last week. I didn't even touch on this. But I want you to see how Peter starts off 1 Peter. He says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. He's talking to people and he's basically putting on them an identity of exile. You are not home. You are in exile. And it gets picked up here again in chapter 2. You just heard it, verse 11, where he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. We are exiles. And when you're in, now there's a lot going on here. Because Peter, and I, I don't have time to preach it all, but Peter's bringing up all sorts of Old Testament the Hebrews being in exile, how they're supposed to live and operate in exile. I'd encourage you to go check out Jeremiah 29, uh, where, where, where Jeremiah spells out how they're supposed to live in exile. The people of God are to live in exile. This is hundreds of years earlier, but he's, he's bringing up this idea now as he's talking to both Jewish and Gentile Christians that they too now as the church, are the people of God in exile. And being in exile, when you're in exile, you're constantly reminded around every corner, uh, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you step outside of your tent, you're constantly reminded you're not home. This goes to my message a little bit last week on suffering. And see, suffering is going to come out of the rub and the tension that gets created as we live in exile in this world, in this life. As we're living in exile, the tension that might come as we begin to be the, kind of take my illustration, the Wisconsinite in Texas. There's sometimes a rub. What does that mean to be in exile? See, exile feels, when you're in exile, you feel like a stranger, but you also look like a stranger. You feel like a stranger, and you also look like a stranger when you're in exile. See, there's a danger here. And let me tell you the danger. The danger this is kind of what I'm after today a little bit. The danger is that you don't feel like you're in exile, but that you feel like you're home. John talks about this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, don't fall in love with the world. I don't want you to fall in love with the world. He's not talking here about like love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about falling in love with this world. Jesus gives a parable to kind of connect some of this too, and it's a parable I think of often with our church family. When I think about you, I think of this parable often. And there's, a, there's the, the parable of the sower. The seed gets thrown onto different ground, 
And some of it gets put, I'm just going to pick, pick one particular piece of soil, some of it gets thrown among the thorns. And Jesus says that the cares and the deceit of this world will choke them out. See, the danger for you and for me is that we would actually fall in love with this world, not feel like we're in exile, not look any different like we're in exile from those outside the world, and in, in, instead, we just walk in step with the world and its ways. And we get choked out. That's, I constantly am concerned about you being choked out. Constantly. That's just a burden that I have for you and we should have for each other that we, would, that we would be concerned that people would get choked out by the cares of this world and the deceit of this world. We are to be strangers. He's telling us, you are strangers. You are exiles. There's a sense in which we're not home. And it's, it's why last week when I talked about this idea that things should feel and seem kind of different. You know, C.S. Lewis, my quote last week when I said, C.S. Lewis said, all right thinking starts with this idea that we look around the world and we can recognize something's not right. And C.S. Lewis would say that that's the start of where right thinking can start kind of from. And I know I'm going really deep here, so I hope you're able to follow this a little bit. But all I'm trying to get out is this sense that you and I, Peter is saying, you and I, we are in exile. These people are in exile. Well, what does that mean exactly? Because they've been probably still, it's not like they've been moved from one home, their, their like house they grew up in, to now, you know, 2,000 miles away, a different home. That's not what's going on. The difference is the gospel has come to them. The good news of Jesus and who he is has come to them, so changed their hearts and lives, they still now live in the same house, but it's in that living in the same house, like a physical building house, that Peter is still saying, yeah, but now you are living in exile because of what the gospel has done to your hearts and lives. And now there's this feeling of, 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 of feeling like a stranger, there's strange things that we feel, and we're going to look like strangers as well. And that's those two things I want to break down a little bit more for us today. So followers of Jesus should look and feel like strangers. In exile, we feel differently. Let's just, let's just look at that a little bit, okay? It'd be weird for me if I walk outside and, and being from Wisconsin, my whole life I grew up with marches snow, marches snowmobiling, marches, you know... Uh, that's what March is. Now I walk outside, it should be odd if I would walk outside and not feel like, ah, something doesn't seem quite right. See? And what he's, when Jesus came and Jesus died, Jesus lived and died and rose again. Now I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm throwing another bomb at you. I'm just dropping bomb after bomb, but follow this. When Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. It's like a new world started. A new humanity. 
a new, and Peter's going to pick it up on this idea, a new people that he is forming for himself begins to start. Jesus being the first fruits of, of what's to come. A new, a new humanity where everybody's invited into it. Everybody gets invited into this family of God where God is already making his people different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a Sethism here. Holyifying them. Beginning to sanctify them. To beginning to work in them the things that he needs to work in us now. Not because we're perfect and we've got it all figured out and we're so special and so great. No, this is an invitation to every single person on the planet. And he's already beginning to start the new heavens and the new... He's already beginning to start the new creation. This happened in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, I hope you're following that. I mean, I know I'm just kind of like bomb after bomb there. But because of, you know, Paul says, you are a new creation. Because of that, that is going to make it so that as we interact with this world and what's going on, it's going to make us feel like strangers. With the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, as we interact with the things of the old in our own lives, there's going to be a rub. Look at what he says here in chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Put it away. Those of us with the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, not because we're so special, but because we believe in Jesus as our Savior. Those of us with the Spirit of God inside of us, when we hear something like that from God's Word, there should be a feeling inside of us. Again, I'm tapping into feelings maybe a little bit too much here, but I don't think so. There should be a feeling inside of us where we're like, I want to do that. I want to put that away. It might be in me, it's not that I, to the world I'd be like, oh, I'm so great, I'm so, and I don't struggle with envy, I don't struggle with envy. No, that's not what I'm saying. Peter is saying, put it away. And with the Spirit of God in me, the Spirit of God doesn't want to have anything to do with that stuff. And so as he is sanctifying me, he's bringing to my, yeah, I want to put this stuff away. And walk in repentance and walk in the newness of life that he has for me. Being led by the Spirit of God, Galatians would say. Uh, look at verse 11, same thing. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Which, notice what he says here, which wage war against your soul. Do you feel the battle? And I don't know a better word than feel, so I'm just going to say it. Do you feel the battle? Because if you don't, my, my concern, I'm not saying it's guaranteed or something like that. My concern as I'm preaching, if you don't feel the, the, the rub, my concern is potentially that you've fallen in love with the world and you're walking in step with the world. That's my concern. I'm just, I'm just shooting straight with you. 
That'd be my concern if you don't feel the rub. See, I'm less concerned about the people that want to meet me at Starbucks for counseling and, and want to want to get connected to a professional counselor and want to, you know, man, I'm so broken. I got so many problems. I'm less concerned about that person than the person who I never talk to. Every time I see them, they're always doing great. Everything's good. Nothing's wrong. Everything in life is per. I get a little nervous about that person. I get less concerned, spiritually speaking, about the person who's coming and saying, my life is broken. I mean, I need help. Because they can feel the war and the battle taking place. Because there's a newness with the spirit of God inside of them. There's a newness that's rubbing up against the oldness. And when that newness and that oldness are rubbing up against each other, you feel it. Paul will say in, in Romans chapter 7, he'll say, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. Some people interpret that as that's pre-Christian Paul talking. We don't hold, I, I don't hold to that. I see that as I read through Romans. I look at that, I'm like, that is Christian Paul talking there, saying, I do even as a Christian, the things I know I don't want to do, and I sometimes do the things I know that I shouldn't do. He's feeling that. Ugh. He's feeling that rub. Do you feel the rub? We're like strangers here. It's like you're from Wisconsin and Texas. We recognize something is different in ourselves, not because we're so great. I'm not preaching that. If anybody's here and they're like, oh yeah, they think they're so special. No, all we're saying is the spirit of God is inside of me and the spirit of God wants to be inside of you. I get to be part of God's family and guess what? You get to be part of God's family too. That's the invitation that Jesus gives to us. That he's made possible for us through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and now through the fact that he wants to pour his spirit. You know, at Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, the people are like, okay, what do you want us to do? Repent and be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, there it is. That's for everybody. Uh, we are the kind of people who went from the, 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 the from darkness. Look, at, I don't have it on the screen, but verse ten. Uh, no, no, verse. Ah, oh, shoot. No, no, no. Where is that? Oh, verse nine. He's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I mean, how much more opposite can it be? I am trying to preach this idea a little bit. I'm not trying to like have you always checking your pulse and I don't know if I'm a Christian, I don't know if I'm a Christian this week. I'm not trying to do that. I am trying to preach this idea though a little bit of if you're not feeling the tension, I'm asking you this morning, have you fallen in love with the world so much that you're walking in step with the world and you're not walking in step with Jesus? I'm asking the question. And I'm trusting that the spirit of the living God who we prayed would come 
and flood this place. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would now do his work. I can't look at you all individually and take you out to lunch and have the conversation. I'm asking, and I'll let the Spirit of God now work in you. Have you so fallen? You don't feel tension. When, when something like put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander and, and uh, abstain from the passions of the flesh, the waging of the war against your soul, if you're not feeling that, let's maybe have a conversation about that. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's something even to just kind of wake up to and be like, yeah, you know, have I, have I kind of just fallen in rhythm with the love of this world? And is potentially the actual cares and deceit of this world choking me out? Are you being choked out today? I'm just, I'm asking. I'm not trying to come after anybody. The, the reason I love asking the question is because I love the fact that we, even if you are being choked out, there's hope. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're like honest and you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm just following the ways of the world. We'd all be like, cool. Praise God that you've had your eyes and your heart open to that. And praise God that there's hope. <laughs> and there is. It's Jesus. And so we repent and we turn to him again. And guess what? We actually kind of live this daily out as we walk by grace through faith to the mercies of God that are new every morning. Praise God for that. I'm so thankful for that for me. So we just, we turn to Jesus again. We look to him. So as, as, as followers of Jesus, we're going to feel different at times in this world. That's all I'm trying to say. And then my second point is that we'll not only feel different, but we'll actually look different. And I even put the word smell in there. We're going to look different. We're going to smell different. We're going to sound different. Uh, the reason I put smell in there is this past week, I had a bunch of my family and a bunch of my brothers and brother-in-laws down for a hog hunt, and um, we didn't shower for days. We didn't shower for days. And just that constant, like, sweating and doing dries and just Texas heat and nasty. I mean, it was brutal. We rotted. We rotted. We stank. And it was just plain and simple. It was like multiple showers, you know. Step into a hot tub and it's just all the film. Nasty. I don't know. That's disgusting. All I'm saying is, if you'd have been around me, you know, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that, you'd have smelled me. Yeah, you'd have been like, oh my gosh, okay, go shower. You're going to smell. And just like my Wisconsin, I'm bringing, I'm bringing all these little illustrations. I hope it's not losing you or confusing you. But just like my Wisconsin, as soon as I start talking, people are like, you're not from around here, are you? That same kind of idea that as we now, look, look at this. As we now, we're, we're the kind of people, I remember somebody once saying, I want a reek of Jesus. I want a reek of Jesus. I remember somebody saying that once to me. And look at ver verse 9. You are a chosen, I, I almost just preached just this. You are a chosen race, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Man, I could sit and preach a whole message on the priesthood of all believers. A holy nation, a, pe a people for his own possession. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These are the kind of people who, when the Spirit of God is inside of them, when they, there's faith that's been put in their heart, they trust in Jesus. I'm not talking, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like the, the, the super Christian who's been a Christian their whole life. I'm, no, I'm talking about the person who became a Christian last night. Even that person, with the Spirit of God inside of them, is going to begin to look different to the people who are around them. You just are. You just are. You're going to look different. You're going to sound different. You're going to be different. You are a new creation. Your friends who used to interact with you and you used to be A, now they're interacting with B. You are different. You've been changed. By the gospel. Uh, look at verse uh, 12 here. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and give glory and glorify God on the day of visitation. See, you and I were the kind of people who've been so radically changed by the gospel that now as the world looks, as we proclaim the excellencies of him, what does that mean? We're the kind of people who, who we, we, we're always pointing to God. It's not, that we're, it's not that every person you encounter, you're telling about Jesus. Like, okay, I got to tell you about the Jesus. Let me tell you the gospel. Jesus died for you and he loves you and blah, blah, blah. Preach a Billy Graham sermon at him at 7-Eleven. But we're the kind of people who were proclaiming the excellencies of him. And so as he's working in my life, I'm, I'm crediting him. I'm, I'm always pointing to him. John the Baptist says that, doesn't he? John the Baptist says, I got to become less. He becomes more. We want lives that look like that. We want lives that are just constantly reeking and smelling of of proclaiming the excellencies of him and what he's doing, not only done, what he's doing in my life. And as we do that, as well as verse 12, living honorable lives uh, to our our neighbors and friends, as we do that, it provides opportunity for the working of the Spirit of God in their hearts and in their lives And then we're always ready to give a reason for the hope that's in us. And that's going to come in chapter 3. And so there's going to come moments where the Spirit of God, just this morning when we circled up, somebody was in in their, they were, they asked God to open a door for opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And God opened the door and, well, I don't even have this. This is chapter 3. But in your hearts, honor God, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. That's going to be chapter 3 here. Are you ready to give that reason for the hope? Are you proclaiming the excellencies of him who's doing a work in you? See, those kinds of things are going to make you look different. They're going to make you smell different. They're going to make you sound different. And people will look and they'll start to say, where are you from? You're not from around here. This is, this is a little different. 
And it'll be that we're walking not in step with the world, but we're walking in step with Jesus and his spirit's leading. Not perfectly. So we wake up each day. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I need you, but I got your grace and your mercy today. See, the gospel will rub on us and it'll change the way we think about things and the way we do things. And it'll even change the way we feel about things. But it'll also rub up against the newness that's you and the, the, the world. The light and the darkness. Uh, don't miss that he calls us his people. People in exile, yes. People in exile but a people that he is forming for himself. Already now he's doing that new work. Already now he's beginning to do this sanctifying work in us, in the, in the church. I'm not talking the dwelling, the church of God, the family of God. He's already prepared now making for himself a people. This book I had our senior leadership team read a couple years ago, Resident Aliens. Nobody really liked it except for me, but um, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. But there was one spot in Resident Aliens. The whole point of this was this idea of how do we reside as aliens in this world? How do we actually just be the church? And I don't agree with everything in this book, but I liked this quote. This is what he says. Christianity is more than a matter of new understanding. See, he's really going after this idea in modernism where Christianity had turned, you got to have the right thinking is always the, the head is always the main thing. He says that he's challenging this idea a little bit that that's the main thing always. He says, Christianity is an invitation to be part of an alien people who make a difference because they see something that cannot otherwise be seen without Christ. Right living is more the challenge than right thinking. The challenge is not the intellectual one, but instead the challenge is primarily the creation of a new people who have aligned themselves with the seismic shift that has occurred in the world since Christ. Man, that's super deep, but so awesome. Have you aligned yourself with the way of Jesus. He has made it possible through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, the first fruits of what's to come. Paul says that. Our brother, Hebrews, I've been going through the book of Hebrews on my own. Hebrews says that Christ is our brother. Our brother who's gone ahead of us and as we look at him, we see what we will one day be like. Not God, not saying that. But Paul actually says, when we see him face to face, we will be like him. And he's already doing that new work even now today. We will feel different and we will look different. If that's a struggle... And you don't know where to go with that? That's why we need each other. To keep walking with each other. 
to keep bringing each other the good news. You are the people of God. As imperfect sinners, for some reason, God has chosen us to be his people. That's the coolest thing. That's an invitation to every single person in the room. It might be your first time here. You might be an absolute atheist. And the fact of the matter is, is God is calling you to be part of his family. You get to be part of that people in exile. And, and as we're in exile, it's going to cause some rub. And the next chapter is going to be especially the rub that we might face in government, in the workforce, In the next section, I can't remember. Marriage, there it is. Marriage. When somebody has the newness in marriage and the other person has just the oldness, there's going to be a challenge there. And Peter's going to speak directly to that. And then in the church itself, and that's, that's my four points next Sunday. We're going to talk about those specific things and, and some of the rub and even some of the suffering that might come from from that rub. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Um, today, I know there was a little bit of some, some intertwining of things, and so I'm a little nervous that somebody got confused. I pray that your spirit would un untie all those little knots, Lord, so that your word might have come through clearly, God. I always want it to be clear even where it's deep and, and stuff, I want it to be clear. So I pray that your spirit has done that or that it will do that as we chew on your word the rest of this week. God, I thank you that we are your people, a people of your own possession, a people who've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. What an incredible place to be. And I thank you that you offer that to the person who's in complete darkness today. That person who feels like they are, there is no light. It's all dark and black. I pray that today you would open up their heart. That you, your little, the little candle of the gospel would penetrate that darkness, God, in their heart and in their life today. You'd, you'd lead maybe another Christian to them to help walk with them or if they want to have a conversation with me or whatever. Just that we'd be able to walk together, Lord, as your people, a people of your own possession. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Help us to help us to, to be the kind of people who feel the, the war, battle going on, to recognize that and be mindful of that. Help us to be the kind of people who'd smell like you. In Jesus' name.